standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to, to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my go to my grave, testifying or whatever, swearing that Davey was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does I mean, how great does that make Davey? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? If they would do a movie about your life, who would you want to play your part? <laughs> Uh, well, George Clooney, of course. <laughs> Who else could it be? Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Primetime with Sean Mooney. I hope you had a great week, although I have to say this was a tough one. Uh, last Wednesday, I spent uh, the morning on the uh, morning show that I co-host out where I live at a stadium where they were holding the uh, 9-11 Tower Challenge. Now, they have these all across the country uh, every year. And the idea is to honor those lost on 9-11. And last Wednesday, of course, was September 11th, 9-11. And the uh, people that participate in the event climb 2,071 steps. That's the same number of steps in each of the Twin Towers that came down on September 11th, 2001, 18 years ago. And... uh, you know, they had put along the stadium steps, they do this every year, uh, pictures of every single first responder, every single person who lost their lives uh, going into those buildings trying to save lives. And uh, they also uh, called out the names of all the victims uh, that died that day. Uh, just a chilling reminder of that horrific day. And so uh, I hope that you took some time out to remember and honor all those people because you know, I think in some ways we, we have forgotten. They, they always say never forget. But I think that in some ways, you know, the years go by and, and we have forgotten. And what happened that horrific day uh, has had a, a, a tremendous impact on our country ever since. So, I, I, like I said, I hope you, I hope you took time out uh, just uh, to remember, reflect, because really we truly can never forget. And I, and I just wanted to uh, say that because, that you know, that ceremony every year just touches me. I just uh, it's uh, very emotional. Uh, I lived in New York City for a, a long time. I have uh, several friends that were uh, directly impacted by that uh, catastrophe, that tragedy, that horrific day. So uh, I just wanted to say, please, please never forget. Uh, we're coming off uh, a great episode. Uh, I really enjoyed it uh, with Beth Phoenix, a, truly a woman who has had a big impact in the world of professional wrestling and uh, women uh, moving forward in their quest to have equal footing, literally, in the ring with men. And uh, women have definitely come a long way uh, in the world of professional wrestling. It's just incredible uh, what they're doing now. And Beth was a big part of that diva movement when it was uh, you know, starting to grow with the WWE and, and helped take it to new heights in the WWE. You know, also, you know, Beth is just a tremendous example of someone who didn't even know where to start. Uh, when she was growing up, but she just knew that she wanted to get into professional wrestling, and so she started as an amateur wrestling uh, a- a- amateur wrestler in in high school, and was on the uh, the boys team, uh, 
And uh, just a tremendous story of uh, how she talks about that. And then, of course, you know, uh, this fantastic career. And then she steps away uh, to have a family and uh, be with her husband, Adam Copeland, and then comes back and reinvents herself and is now a commentator. So she's just an amazing person. And somehow she has still been able to do all that and manages to make her family, her daughters, and uh, Adam a priority in her life, a great role model. Beth is definitely a great role model for anybody in life, not just someone who wants to be a part of the wrestling business. I also happened to see, though, this uh, week, the Copelands uh, are having a rough one, having lost a beloved pet. And uh, you read the tweets for Beth, I mean, you can just see how, um, you know, grief-stricken she is. And if you have a pet and you've lost, uh, you know, a beloved pet, you know exactly uh, where she's coming from and uh, how difficult that can be. I mean, really, it's like losing a family member. It, it really is. So our best to uh, the Copelands, and uh, I want to thank Beth for uh, coming on primetime. Well, this past Sunday, uh, we had another Ask Mooney Anything. Uh, we do this on our, for our Patreon members, and it's usually close to just our members, but we figured, you know what, this, uh, this episode of it, we were going to, you know, what the heck, let's just invite everybody so that they, they could have a chance to you know, learn more about Patreon and what we do. And uh, we just thought it'd be fun to, you know, get some uh, questions from the folks out there that listen regularly. And hopefully they'll join us on Patreon. And, uh, you know, we've added a lot of things. We now have the PTSM news break. Uh, of course, we've got the watch along still. Uh, we've added cameo videos after you've been with us. Uh, you get cameo videos uh, for, you know, birthdays or if you want to have me send something to one of your friends. And then if you stick with us as a Legion of Who a member, you uh, get your very own podcast with me. And I just did one this uh, past week with David Lackey, who's been a, a loyal listener and Legion of Who member. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, after a year, you get uh, merch uh, and uh, a watch along of your very own, your, uh, of your choosing. So, and much more. So if um, you have, uh, haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney. All right, it is time to get to this week's episode. And I have to tell you, I have long been fascinated by wrestling families. Uh, you know, you don't see this uh, much anymore. Uh, not like uh, they did back in the day when I was with the WWF. But uh, a lot of wrestling families, generations of great wrestlers like the Hearts, uh, the Hennigs, the Von Erics, uh, that are still going strong, uh, gaining uh, new popularity with uh, Kevin's sons, uh, the Paffos, and as well as the Ortons, and I can go on and on. Well, the Guerreros are also another incredibly intriguing family. Uh, you look at the family tree, and it is just amazing, starting with Gory and his sons, Mondo, Hector, uh, Eddie, and uh, Chavo Guerrero Sr. And it is just amazing what they accomplished uh, over the years in the world of professional wrestling and how it continues to this day. Um. You know, and, it, and it's tough to follow that legacy, but my guest today has uh, certainly done that and has gone beyond it in the world of entertainment. What do you say we get to my conversation with Chavo Guerrero Jr.? Ding, ding, ding. Folks, my guest today is part of uh, a lineage uh, of one of the most well-known families in professional wrestling spanning uh, many, many decades, beginning with the matriarch Gory Guerrero and his sons, Mondo, Hector, Eddie, Chao, and Chavo Sr. And joining us this week, 
is Chavo Guerrero Jr., who is a third generation and not only had a tremendous career or has had a tremendous career in the ring, but also enjoying quite a career as an actor now. And uh, Chavo, welcome to Primetime. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. You know, I, and I mentioned the, the acting part. We, we spoke briefly before we started the conversation here that uh, little did you know, everything that you were probably trained from the time you were a little kid was going to prepare you for what's going on in your life these days. Yeah, you know what? A hundred percent, man. You know, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, I was talking to Fit Finley one of these one of these days, years back, and uh, we were kind of talking. You see the third generation pro wrestler, too, and kind of um, um, things that we do in the ring, you know, and not just the ring now, but it's like in the ring um, is we do it without really thinking about it. Like, I don't know how I learned it, but I just know it. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of things for him was the same way, you know. And then now just being, you know, you know, starting off really at, with WWE and kind of just the way that they, they, they do everything, you learn really quick, even without them teaching you, you know. And yeah. I'm one of those learners that can just watch people. And I used to watch Vince and Kevin Dunn and all those guys a lot and kind of really learn from that and just, you know, then parlay that into, you know, producing Lucha Underground and then went to Glow and... Uh, <laughs> Kind of now taken off as different supervised producers on different projects now. So it's kind of, it all kind of uh, went full circle, man. Yeah, it is. It really is amazing. And you mentioned uh, some of the, the huge projects that you have been a part of. You also have been yep. in many other uh, on-screen appearances. But, uh, and I've had conversations with uh, a lot of the, uh, the people in the business who have transitioned into acting. I, I don't even know if you call it transition. It's just basically doing what you've probably done your whole life. But it's amazing how well prepared you are, and I don't think you realize it at the time. But then, when you do get in front of a camera, you know the ability to remember lines and to uh, you know blocking and you know. Did you realize just how well prepared you were for that career? <laughs> uh, I, I kind of did it. You know, when I left wrestling, uh, you know, I guess you never really leave no, wrestling. No. But when I decided to kind of leave wrestling, for you know, until it sucked me back in. Um, I um um I did a couple just a little small like thing like one thing on like uh, uh, Discovery ID channel I did one thing and 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 another little small sh- uh, bit you know, in a movie a little small movie just trying to um, see if I you know I thought that I knew kind of what was going on but I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't fooling myself yeah. and I kind of you know and, and you you kind of you kind of know you know you kind of learn you know about blocking and all that kind of stuff and then taking that like I said to, to Lucha Underground I really I really put it to work and was kind of, when we first started that first season I was showing you know all these camera guys and they're Mark Burnett's guys, but and they're great that they had ever shot wrestling before. So I was kind of showing them, Hey, this is how we shoot wrestling. This is how we direct wrestling. This is how we, you know, the sound for wrestling. This is a vignette. All these things. They're kind of like, Oh, I was kind of everywhere. You know, of course they picked, you know, after two or three episodes, those guys are pros. So they just right. picked up perfectly and just, just killed it. Uh, and then going from there, you know, learning, going to glow. And now, I was, now I'm going like to the Harvard of, of television, to be honest, man, just, being behind that camera now and then kind of working hand in hand with directors and producers and you know you're in, in in constant meetings and production meetings and it's really it's it's pretty cool man i i love this aspect of entertainment being behind the camera and creating i, I really like that a lot you know well and i wonder uh because of course you kind of 
were born into this business. It was kind of, I, I would imagine yeah. it was kind of expected that you were going to end up in it. But, you know, I always wondered about you because you, you've talked many times of how, how much you enjoy that process of putting television shows together and not just from the concept or ideas, but you, I mean, you like getting in there with your, your, you know, right behind the camera and, you know, being hands-on, I guess is the best way to explain it. When you were younger, was that a huge interest of yours? Uh, you know, knowing that the business was there, that was probably what you're going to do. But was that always uh, a love of yours that you thought, you know, maybe someday I can, I can train, I can do this. I, yeah, you know what, I, you know, we always, God, man, we, we were, being a Guerrero, we were just wrestlers, man. We loved wrestling, so we always thought wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Yeah. And it almost, um, we kind of almost put back ourselves into a corner because we loved wrestling so much. Yeah. You know, wrestling's such big business now that it's such pop culture in different, um, you know, areas of entertainment and all over the world that if you just think wrestling, you're limiting yourself. So now, you know, I was able to, you know, parlay that into like, you know, since Hollywood and since Mackie and some uh, producing, since some stunt coordinating stuff. So um, all that stuff kind of just, you know what, I just, I, I wasn't really going to go that route. And even though my, my uncle Mondo left wrestling and became a stuntman mm -hmm. and, you know, did that for 20 or 30 years and actually retired with a pension and everything. Yeah. Really, a, a pension. Yeah, I've seen a, a pension. <laughs> wow. It's something you don't what see in wrestling. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've explained this to some people because yeah. you know, it, and, 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 and it, yeah, yeah, no, for, for real. But in, in the real world, people don't have you know pensions anymore. You no, know, like no. um, I was talking to my mom when my uh, my mom was telling me story when she actually finally retired. She was with UPS for you know thirty two years, even before UPS delivered to. The, the 50 uh, like the continental united states to yeah. all to all the states there so she'd been with them forever when she retired and she was trying to do her her you know getting her finances together and see what she had to live on every month her financial guy was like okay well uh you know here you go uh and she's like ah that's that's not that much and he's like well I'm, you know i kind of was fun shuffling the numbers and that's that's what you got mm. and she goes well, what about my pension and he goes Pension? What pension? You never yeah. mentioned a pension. She's like, yeah, I, you know, I have a ninety-two percent of my pay for the rest of my life. And he's like, okay, that changes everything. Yeah. He's like, people, people don't have pensions anymore. And no. she, my mom was like, what? What do you mean? You just don't have a pension. And so to be able to be in, you know, the Screen Actors Guild, uh, and and have a pension and have insurance and have people actually looking out for you is pretty. It's it's something that it's pretty. It's pretty special, man. To be yeah. honest. Well, we all wish that uh, that still existed, but you're right. That doesn't uh, really not many people at all anymore, unless you're in the military or work for the government. Uh, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, luck. for sure, totally. Yeah, good luck with your 401k. But um, <laughs> you know, talking about the family, though, it, it really is amazing. You look at the family tree, and uh, just uh, you know all these people that were in, in your family that uh, have had such big contributions to the world of professional wrestling. But as a kid, what was it, it like going uh, growing up in that area? And I've, I, we've had, we had uh, Vicki on before, and uh, she, I know it was very close to your family even as uh, uh, when she was very young, but uh, she talked about how the people in that town were just enamored with the family because you guys were, were stars to them. They, you were big uh, you know, celebrities. Uh, what was it? What was it like when you were a kid and you had this this enormous family around you, and they're all connected to professional wrestling? 
know, I, I kind of just thought that's how it was. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I've grown up in that, in that, in, in the Guerrero family and kind of around wrestling and always being recognized as that. So yeah. it was nothing like new. It wasn't like, I mean, I, I remember signing autographs before I was even, you know, when I was, was never in the ring, whatever, they just were like, Hey, yeah. you're going to do something someday. I want the autograph. So just a Guerrero, it was kind of cool. It was like, like, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I don't know. It just kind of was just part of life, man. And I look at, I look back at it now and you're kind of just like, like, Oh, well, that's, not, that's not normal. But you just, you know, that's how you grew up. Like my, my kids would, would, um, to go to their friends and say, "Hey, is your dad in this video game too?" Yeah. And they're like, "What are you talking? What are you talking about?" And they're like, and, "You know, because that's just how they grew up with their dad in TV on um, video games and stuff, you know, and and you know action figures, and it just was you know part of life." You look uh, you look back at it, it's just a little different now, you know. But uh, it's it's a special man. It's really cool to be able to to you know just to to go up and just cool little special family and it's cool special special business, you know, for sure. And what was the, uh, I guess, I mean, you call it a territory back then, but um, you guys also did a lot of wrestling down in Mexico and then also in California. Uh, what was the, the, the business shape like back then before it really, you know, we saw the eventual demise of territories. But what about at that point in time and, and what your dad and, and your grandfather were doing? Um, well, the business was definitely, definitely different, you know, I, yeah. it was different in the fact that, that they're, they're gone a lot. Like I remember growing up and not seeing my dad for, you know, six months at a time sometimes because he'd be in the Georgia territory or he'd be rushing for mid South, you know, and, and, and you'd have to go live there. It wasn't like you could fly in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, when my dad started rushing for UWF, who, who was, uh, Bill Watts, um, he, he got this deal to where he was able to fly he was the only one to be able to fly in and out like every, every other weekend he would come home for two days and then fly back. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, like, how'd you get that deal? Like, we want that deal. But like, nobody had that, you know, unless you were, you know, uh, you know, maybe the, 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 the big star on campus, you know, but, um, nobody had that deal, you know, and, and Bill watches like my dad a lot. So my dad goes, well, if I'm going to come work for you, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay. And, my dad's like, really? He goes, man, now I got to go work for him, <laughs> you know. But uh, it, it, um, it, it was just a different time, man. It's just there were you, you moved me and me and the Rock used to talk about this all the time. Where you know, he, I was able to. I stayed in the same house all the time growing up. My dad would just go travel. Mm-hmm. Um, Rocky Johnson took his family everywhere, so Rock, you know, would go would get pack up and move every couple years, you know, and move to a different. You know, he lived in North Carolina, he lived in Hawaii, he lived in, you know, other other places because of the fact that, you know, his dad would, would would move him and keep the family together. So there's benefits and drawbacks to both. You know, I grew up and went to the same schools, you know, all, all you know, all elementary and high school was the same school. I didn't have to pack up and leave all the time, you know. So was it, it did seem like that the women were always around, uh, you know, basically raising you guys because all the men were were probably out there working. It was that what it was like, or whether they were in town at different points. What was it? Was was it like for not not just with your dad, but with the uncles too? Yeah, you know, just man, it, that was just a family business, man. That yeah. was that. Some people, you know, are, are you know they they're you know in the military, and some people was family businesses, you know, like uh, you know policemen or or teachers or lawyers or doctors. Ours was pro wrestling, the wacky world of pro wrestling. So 
my uncles and the fact was other uncles would be Bonnie Piper, you know, yeah. Andre the Giant. These yeah. guys would just they were just like oh, they're always at the house, you know. So it just it just the way it was, you know. I wasn't it it wasn't they were just it was normal to me, even though it was very abnormal. <laughs> it was normal to me going to the matches and you know I'd be working, you know, my my grandfather's uh, promotion in El Paso. We'd be you know, doing whatever we needed to do to help out. We'd be, you know, helping selling eight by tens or help, you know, set up the ring or, you know, um, sweep up whatever to help because that's just was the business, you know, and we just, what we did, you know, and I remember my dad wasn't, why we moved to California was because my dad started working for Michael Bell at the Olympic auditorium uh-huh. at the NWA Hollywood, you know, and I, you know, I remember going to the Olympic auditorium as a kid and, you know, being backstage when they'd be doing, you know, shooting TV and all different stuff. And it just was, like, just was normal, you know? <laughs> so we just, it's just how, it just was just guerrilla life. That's how it happened, you know? Yeah. And did you know at that time, I mean, you were destined, it was just uh, a matter of time before it was going to be part of your life as well? Yeah. I just thought, I always knew, man, me and Eddie always knew what we wanted to do. You know, we were, I look back at it now kind of going, God, how the heck did. <laughs> did we actually make it because there's a lot of second, third generation wrestlers that, that don't make it out there. And yeah. we look back at like, you know, the odds were so stacked against us, but we just knew what we wanted to do and what we were going to do. So we just followed into the footsteps, you know, and, and it just, I look back, it's very naive thinking because I mean, what was I, what was I going to do if it didn't work out? <laughs> you know, I kind of didn't have a fallback. Yeah, you didn't have a you know, plan B. Co- call. I, was a, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't, yeah. I didn't finish college, and I actually should. One of my biggest regrets was not finishing college. Uh, and I look back at it now going, God, man, if I, if I what would I have done? You know, was I going to go bartend? I, don't, I didn't know, you know. Yeah. Be a barista at Starbucks? I wasn't sure. But after, you know, then I just, we kind of just knew what we were going to do. We became wrestling, wrestlers, and, kind of made it at all different levels and everywhere we went. And, uh, and thank God I was able to parlay that into other things, you know? Yeah. Well, and you, and you talk about Eddie, uh, I know how close you were and people, um, and he's your uncle, but he was, uh, someone who came along, uh, later in life for Gory Guerrero, uh, born in 67. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, you talk, I mean, you know, there's like three years difference between you guys. So did you, did you really grow up like you were brothers? Uh, we absolutely grew up as yeah. brothers, even though he technically he's my uncle, yeah. but you know, we were three years apart. We grew up as brothers, you know, we fought as brothers, loved like brothers. And, um, he was, he was the, I was the big brother. He was the big brother I ever had. I was the, the little brother he never had, but we always laughed because he was my grandfather's late mistake. And I was my dad's early mistake. Uh. So we both weren't supposed to be here when we came. Uh. So, uh, yeah, it kind of just happened, you know, but, uh, we were very close definitely brothers you know and i i definitely consider my brother not my uncle you know when people say hey is he your brother i just i don't correct him yeah because that's really what it was and with that though was he somebody you really looked up to was he the guy you wanted to do everything just like or were you guys pretty equal um well definitely man he i you know he started wrestling when he was 18 i didn't start to really tell his uh about 23 really? full time, about 25. But yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, it took me a little bit longer to get there. Um, but, but had you already trained uh, pretty much? Yeah. I mean, at that point, had you already, tra- you know, oh. I mean, it, was it in your blood? And, you know, I mean, it just seemed like you'd be in a ring from the time you were, you know, a kid. No? 
I, I, we grew up with a wrestling ring in the backyard. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I just, um, you know, I could do all the moves. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know why I was doing them or what they actually meant, you know? So, you know, doing spots and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, we've done that our entire life. So yeah. for me to tr- be trained, I'm, I'm talking about um, training in, in kind of learning the craft of wrestling and what everything means, you know, right. I knew I could tie up. I just didn't know why I was tying up, you know, so that you learn that. And that, and you really learn that throughout your career and, and it takes years. You, it's such, wrestling is such an art form. You don't, you don't, you don't get it in a year. Like right. I, I was, to be, you know, I was talking to Steve Austin about this the other day, and really, I mean, I grew up in the business. I'm a third generation pro wrestler with a wrestling ring in my backyard, yeah. and was always in the ring. And it took me about five years of being on the road full time at WCW at the highest level of wrestling to really know what I was doing. And that's five wow. years of wrestling, 300 days a year, and that's what to know what I'm doing. Then it took me another five years till I started getting the big, like, like I'd have Ric Flair, or I'd have, you know, Steve Austin saying, Hey man, great match. Mm. That took me another five years. So you're talking 10,000, I mean, 10 years and, um, you're looking like 3000 matches. Yeah. I was going to say, who knows how many matches, but, uh, yeah, but you didn't I mean, early yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. Early on, you didn't get a push from the uncles or your grandfather say, Hey, you know, uh, look what Eddie's doing or even from Eddie. Uh, it was just kind of, that wasn't the path you were on yet. Yeah, I did. I just, um, my dad was like, you know, Hey, you know, Eddie was ready at 18. Yeah. He's like, you, I wanted to start. He looked, he goes, man, you're, 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 you're not ready. He goes, what's going to happen is that you're going to go to Mexico. Or you're going to go to Japan. And because they can't kick our butts, they're going to kick your butt. Yeah. He goes, like, you just, you need, you need to, you need to wait a second. Cause they'll kill you yeah. for all the stuff that we've done. <laughs> and, and I, and he's kind of right. You know, but even when I got into the, you know, the business at, you know, like at 25 years old, really, you know, full time, um, you know, I had guys, you know, kind of come as much as wrestling is entertainment as people think I had guys trying to pay me back for the things that, you know, they couldn't pay back to my dad, you know, that's how I remember. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, but then thank God my, my trainers in the sense were Eddie, uh, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, uh, Fit Finley, Steve Regal, Arn Anderson, uh, you know, guys like that, man. I was like, I mean, there's others for sure, but that, those are I mean, some of the best of all time, you know, had a hand in, in training me, you know, Kurt yeah. Henning, all those guys, even though they weren't training me per se, they were training me because they're, you know, always teaching me on the road and you know, I'd, I'd ride with them. And, you know, we, that's, you learn by just being with those guys and you're by living it, you know? Well, and also, I mean, that just, you're, talking about a span of a couple of years, but you go to Mexico and then um, Japan, I guess in, in the eyes of uh, your elders uh, to for some seasoning, what did you learn during that period? Because you, you, you talk about how it took you a while, but you, you were good enough to be with the WCW. So what did you learn during those two years that just uh, that prepared you to even do that? Um, man, just kind of learning... I had to learn how to listen, man. You you be you're a ring you, you become a ring general, yeah. ring general. Somebody who's kind of in charge in 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 the ring. And I say that for the listeners out there, um, you you become a ring general by leading, but by also listening, you know, and learning how to lead, you know. So you kind of just sit there and 
I was in the ring with some really good guys that actually, you know, I would just shut up and I would um, listen to everything they said and do whatever they said. If they said, look left, I looked left, you know, it wasn't, there was no argument. It was like, okay, that's how you, that's how you learn this craft, you know, and um, it's an art form, right? Like it really is. And it's, and I say it's such a dying art form because there's so many people, you know, what I see now that's on TV and stuff is really not what, um, kind of just not what wrestling is in a fact, in, in a sense, you know, wrestling is improv, improvisation out there. It's not calling the entire match in the back and then going out there and doing it. That's not what wrestling is. And that's, that's not kind of how we were taught. It just, but there's so many less people out there that are able to continue to teach this. And, you know, the, the new guys coming up there, although some are incredible athletes, you know, they're going to have really short careers because the fact that everything they're doing is big spot moves, yeah. moves, moves, yeah. moves. There's no real storytelling anymore. They think that the moves are the stories, but they're, they're not. They help tell the story, but they're not the stories, you know. And that's kind of um, I, where Russ is kind of going, you know. Well, and, and you think about it. I mean, you, you come from a, a family, uh, the, the generations there. And, and uh, you know, back in the time when I was with the WWF, there was a lot of them. I mean, you had, like you had Kurt Hennig who come. You had Bret Hart. You had all of these guys who had come up through, um, you know, had, had fathers or even their grandfathers had been in the business. Uh, how much of an right. impact do you think that that had on why, you know, of, of you mentioned the art and how it's changed today? Because I, they're 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 great athletes, but there's something about that, uh, you know, the territories and you're on the road and you're in cars and you're with these guys that are really, they're passing it down. And, uh, I don't know if we see that much anymore. How, how big a role do you think families played in, uh, those peak years of, of professional wrestling? Oh, massive, massive roles. I mean, the things that have, have been taught to me, not only by my family, but by other third, second, third generation mm -hmm you know, yeah. wrestlers that their families taught them. You know, I, I had some great advice one time doing a promo from Dwayne Johnson from Rock. I mean, and that kind of changed from just what he said that to me really changed the way I did promos. And that's, you know, he, you know, not, he, he was already the Rock. He's mm. incredible, but he, he learned a lot of this from his, you know, from his family. And then, you know, things that I've learned from Fit Finley, you know, um, from Kurt Hanning, uh, Dean Malenko are just invaluable lessons that who knows who taught them, you know, mm -hmm. who knows where they learned it, you know, because either their parents, you know, their family taught them or their, you know, brother taught them or their, some being on the road taught them. But that's, that's where you learn, man, is, is, you know, asking questions and being around these guys and just listening to them. And then that's really how you learn. It's not just learning in the ring. It's learning outside of the ring. Yeah. So, uh, was would you consider? I mean, that first big break was the the WCW, and I don't know what role Eddie played in, in getting you in there. But as I've always said, you just got you got to get the door open. And, and so, uh, was that really you think your first break? And how prepared were you for that stage? Absolutely, my first break, and I wasn't prepared at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I thought I was, but yeah. you know, Eddie got Eddie Eddie talked to Eric Bischoff, and right now at the at the time they were. They were signing everybody, you know, and they were, they were, they were that cruiserweight division was starting to uh, hadn't even really taken off yet, and you know, uh, just was just starting. They were starting to fill that roster, so he got me in, and 
I remember meeting Eric Bischoff the first time, and it was at a catering, and he goes, hey, man, we're you know creating a spot for you in our cruiserweight division. And I was like, wow, okay, great. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, man, now I got to work. So I, my first match was with Steve Regal, and uh, he, to be honest, made me look so much better. That's not because he's such a pro. Yeah. He made me look so much better than I was actually, than I actually looked. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he said was, I remember hearing this, and and Eddie told me it's exactly what Eric said. Eric goes, he's got a lot of charisma. He doesn't know how to use it yet, but he's got a lot of charisma, so we're going to sign him. And it was really, I mean, it was Steve Regal, you know. I mean, I could have gone up there with somebody who wasn't good, and yeah. I would have stunk up his right, you know. And yeah. then really, I just kind of learned on the job, on the job, you know. I, I kind of got out there, and uh, you know, it's it's tough because you you had Eddie who was kind of who was rocking it at the moment, so yeah. they were comparing you to somebody that that you just can't be compared to, you know, and all of a sudden this guy was, they're like, okay, you should be as good as Eddie. And it's like, wait a minute, you're, you're, you can't, yeah. you're not, you can't, you can't be, there's one Eddie Guerrero and he was already coming to his own right there. You know, he'd already been wrestling for 10 years. So, you know, so you're, you're trying to fill shoes and put the same thing that happened to him. You know, when he first started, they were expecting him to be, you know, my father and his brothers. Right. And then when my father started, they were expecting him to be his father. You know, you just can't. One thing that Eddie told me is like, Hey man, you're you. Right. Be you. Don't don't worry about us. It's there. It's in there. It's going to come out, you know. So it, it was just, you know, there was a lot of frustrating moments, and there's a lot of times that that uh, you know you you know you're you're filling roles that you think you should be better in, but you know you just you know, A was always telling me, man, cream rises to the top. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. So kind of what you do, and just kind of keep going out there, and then eventually, you know, you will you you'll you'll be seen for your talents, you know. Look at guys like look at Kofi Kingston, how long Kofi has been, you know, he was there at least ten years right. and really hit that stride with the new day and now now he's a champion there, you know. So it takes a bit, man. You you don't get it doesn't happen overnight. No, and, and you know what and story after story uh, with people I've talked to, um, in many cases it's to the point where you know, they keep handing you these gimmicks. They keep telling you how to do this and how to do that. And you have in the back of your, you know, your mind or in your gut that this isn't right for me. And finally, when you just say, this is what I'm going to do and it's going to make or break me, but I got, I have to be true to this uh, is what sets them free. I mean, you just mentioned Kofi and I, I, I haven't had a conversation with him, but I imagine if I did, I, he would probably say, you know, that's what happened with New Day. He just said, you know, either I'm out of here or this is going to work. We're not going to listen to them anymore. And did you have any kind yeah. of moments like that along the way early on or when it made, started to make a big difference for you? Yeah, yeah in, a, in a sense, you know, you, you it's such a catch-22 because you have to, uh, you know, be a the game player. Yeah. But yeah, and play the game. But at the same time, you kind of have to do it your own way. It, it's one of those things they say the squeaky wheel gets the oil, but yeah. if it squeaks too much, it gets replaced, yeah. right? <laughs> That's how you get so, the part. <laughs> yeah, man. So you kind of, you know, you, you need to make some, make some waves in there, but you also got to know your role a little bit also, you know. It's, you know, if it's up to us, you know, every if it was up to me, I was, of course, you're going to be the champion, but it's not. It's it's up to, you know, one guy, it was Mr. Graham, and yeah. you kind of just have to, you know, you you, you got to just, make lemons out of lemonade sometimes, you know, and, uh, or lemonade out of lemons, you know, you always, you know, you just got to sometimes play the hand that's given to you and try to make it as best as you can. And, 
um, you know, that happened to me several times in my career. And, and it's happened to everybody. It's, everybody, you know, unless you're, you know, John Cena, you're, 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 you're having to, they're not, they're not really writing for you. They're, you know, the writers, they're writing to save their jobs. I get it. Yeah. So whatever is handed to you, sometimes you just got to try to make it work, you know, the best of your ability. And if you're able to do that, then they'll, they'll see you and they see a spot for you. And that's, that's kind of how wrestling is, you know, I, but it's sad right now because now that every, from what I understand, I'm not there anymore in like WWE. But so what, what I hear there is from the wrestlers a lot is that everybody's walking on eggshells so much. You know, they try to keep everybody so scared for their jobs and that no one wants to step out of the out of the box and just do and just be them. And that's how what, what made wrestling so great. If you look at wrestling, you know, let's say in the 80s, yeah. these guys, they didn't listen to promoters. They did what they wanted to do because right. they went out there and did it. Now, you, you have to do what's best for the promotion, but at the same time, you know, you're doing it your way because they, you know, you worked out, you worked for some of the best in the business. Well, these guys, you know, they, they, they were the toughest guys out there and they, they were the best performers because they did it their way. Yeah. No one's going to tell them how to do their character. You You can't, you can, they can get somebody can give you a role, but if you don't, you know, take it upon yourself to kind of do do it the way you want to do it, it's not going to be good, you know. Yeah, and you just you just hit it uh, right there. The the main point there that nobody knew those characters better than they did, and so there's nobody that was going to be Absolutely. able to tell them how to put words in their mouths. Those guys would do these cut promos, and they didn't have a piece of paper in front of them. They didn't have, go over to you know outside there and memorize. They just came out there and they knew what that character would say, given whatever the storyline was and wherever they were. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that uh, I brought that up several times. Um, working though with the WCW at that point in time, man, they were riding high. It was uh, you know a lot going on. Uh, we talk about the eighty-three weeks. You were you were right there. Yeah. What was it like to be? Uh, well, we saw what was going on in front of the cameras, but what was it like to be backstage at, in that organization at that uh, point in time? Man, it was so fun, man. When, it, when we first started WCW, it was it was fun, man. It didn't get you know to where everybody was unhappy till just at the at the end. Yeah. But man, we yeah. had we had you yeah. know three years of that. It was so great. We, we, it was you know young in the business where I'm you know it's me and like you know Alex Wright and Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio and and Eddie and, and Chris Jericho and all these guys that we're just young and this is having fun, you know, living our dream, which is being in the ring. And, you know, uh, you know, we were in the cruiserweight spot, which is, which was great. You know, there was, there was a ceiling for sure that you couldn't really break out of there, which was okay. And, you know, it is what it is, but, um, you know, it was great. Us all working together and just, and then hanging out together. And I mean, we were on the road so much back then and we we're just young Young, dumb, you know, and uh, it was it was it was great, man. We loved it. Getting paid mu- making making money, making money, and yeah, we're part of had, yeah, we're yeah. part of the you know the, one of the biggest organizations in the world. It was it was pretty awesome, man. It was uh, it was one thing that I I, I really cherish a lot, and I, and I and I miss it a lot. At the end, you know, yeah, you know, things change with management changing, and you know, you didn't really know who your boss was anymore from week to week. Uh, yeah, but but it, you know, that that wasn't the entire time. You know, it was that was just at the end and. I understand why they they ended up dropping off and you know then then going then we redid that we redid it when we went to to WWF at the time when we got you know the ones that got picked up and the contracts got picked up and taken over man it was it was great again it was great you learned how a wrestling organization is supposed to be run and 
it was it was awesome. You know, we it was there was about five years right there straight, five seven years that was pretty awesome, pretty incredible. That it was, uh, you know, you were just, at the, just doing the same thing, really at, at a highest professional level, and and being with your friends on the road and and wrestling some of the best in the business and the best wrestling organization in the business, you know. You know, when, when you talk about when you. Yeah, but when you talk about those, those, uh, you know, the, you said it wasn't really bad until the end, and it's been well documented. But uh, you've heard a lot of these guys talk about the fact that, you know, you didn't really know what was happening. You, you didn't know. You'd hear a lot of rumors uh, that, you know, Vince was interested and then it was some other organization and uh, Eric was going to take it on himself. And uh, were you concerned at that time what was going to happen to you or were you confident that you know, whatever happened, you were going to be okay? Again, being super naive, <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, it'll it'll all land on my feet." You know, it's all good. I, it worked out. People, now, I, yeah. I saw how other people were very, um, they were upset. You know, when it when it ended. You know, then because they were at the end of their careers or the twilight of their careers, so they weren't going to be picked up by Vince. Yeah. You know, but we were like, I was just starting out, and I was just, you know, Eddie was over there, so I figured, ah, you know, I'll, I'm going to be all right, and. Sure enough, you know, I was very naively, but, you know, <laughs> again, I look back and going, I don't know, how the heck did this work out? I don't know, but it, it did. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, like I said, I wasn't very, I wasn't worried at all, to be honest. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it worked out pretty damn well, that's for sure, going with the to the WWE. And um, when you, you first got there, uh there's different stories. Of course, you've got superstars that are already there, so they're concerned you've got you know these 25 contracts coming in, these guys coming in. Uh, what was that atmosphere like? You'd worked with a lot of these guys anyway, but was there uh, you know some animosity, or or were you guys welcomed in? Uh, yeah, we were welcomed. Um, I, I think so. Um, it's, you know, there you're you're vying for your spot at all times, which is okay. And the competition yeah. is. You know, I thrive on that. But it's good. You know, you had um, you know, you had guys that you know they're protective of their spots. You know, and they and if you look back, I kind of for the first spot about a year, I kind of not floundered there, but I didn't have a whole lot. It was kind of like just you know a little bit here and there, and you know they put you in, and then um, I, I was able to do the uh, tough enough, tough enough too. They they wanted me to be a trainer on that, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then little by little, you know, you just. You start doing different things, and I remember one, the first time they had me and Eddie tag against tag with each other, um, and um, I think he'd already been let go, and he, he just came back. Um, he he got released. He had some um, alcohol and drug problems, and went and cleaned himself up. Got that, you know that's well documented. But he he went uh, got himself cleaned up and came back with a vengeance. And when he did. Um, you know, at one point they put us together just to see how it was. And, you know, uh, our first kind of like, I think it was like a velocity match or a Saturday night show, whatever it was. Um, one of the, I don't know what, one of those shows, um, they put me and Eddie against edge and a young John Cena in tights. Well, when we got done, man, I had Eric Bischoff was there, but he was back there and he was going like, wow, like, Oh my, that was incredible. And we're like, well, what'd you guys expect? You know, we've done this our entire lives. So then about two weeks later, um, you know, I, we didn't know where they were going to go with it. And I, I go to the gym, get to the town, and then all of a sudden Eddie's there at the town, and we start seeing the gym, and he's like, hey, man, it's you and me tonight. I said, oh, really? Okay. Because, yeah, you, yeah, you and me, 
main event of SmackDown against Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. We're like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we put us in, and you know, it was we just we just rocked it, man. We just went there and kicked butt, and got we with two pretty damn good performers in there in Angle and Benoit. And uh, um, you know, after that, it was off to the races, man. We used to start Los Guerreros, and they were like, okay. That's it. You guys are together. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Well, you always were together. Um, but we, when we, we uh, talked about the problems that Eddie had, yeah. and this was pretty much initially when you got there, were you aware that, that he was struggling with these, these issues? And this is a guy you'd known you know, your whole life. Uh, was it just something you couldn't really do anything about because that's how Ed, way Eddie was? I, I know I've heard you talk before that, you know, he cleaned up when he was ready, but what was it like for you to have to stand on, uh, you know, next to him literally and watch this happen? You know, man, being, being um, really from the Guerrero family, I was a, definitely a, a codependent, and I didn't know I was until Eddie explained it to me after he got clean and sober. You know, but really, it just was just just kind of how it was. I was so used to covering up for anybody with uh, you know substance abuse issues. Um, you know, it's kind of probably a good thing because it, it never led me to be, to do the same thing because I just, I learned real fast. Like, uh, Hey, don't do that. You know, but, but doing that just was, man, I was such codependent. I was just always covering things up and I was just, uh, you know, dealing with their mess ups in a sense, you know? So, um, it's just kind of just the way it was. And I look back at it now and kind of just go like, well, you know, that I learned now to not enable anybody in that position. Now, now it's like, like, Hey dude, okay, that's, I'm not doing that. You know, I won't be, I won't have any part of that. Uh, but you know, it took a long time for me to actually do that because you're being a, being a codependent and everything that means of that is that you're codependent on, you know, on, on alcohol and drugs. You're not actually dependent on it, but in a sense you are because you're covering up for your loved ones that are dependent on it. So, um, and, and affects you just as much, you know, and you get, you get into bad habits also that, is you know it's even though you're not the one using they're just as destructive yeah mm-hmm, yeah and um and and so when eddie uh did leave i mean i don't know if it was the a cold reality that he was losing everything uh including his family and vicky talked about it and but when he decided that uh he was going to change his life he did it in a big way uh and a lot of people talk about you know he went and did those, uh, you know, shit, uh, whatever he could pick up to do to prove that uh, he could uh, do what he was not only doing before, but better. And when he came back, uh, maybe the best he ever was. I don't, I, I didn't, I wasn't there and you probably could tell me better, but when he did come back, uh, how good was he at that point? Well, Eddie Guerrero was always Eddie Guerrero, but he was, you know, yeah. one of the best in the business. We always knew it, you know, and unfortunately it took him to, pass away in a sense for everybody to see it and, and admit it. But, um, you know, we knew it, you know, we already knew and that he was, this guy was really special, like very special, something, something about him. Um, so, yeah. you know, any, you know, addict who got, who's gotten clean will tell you that when you get clean, you get clean for yourself. You don't do it for anybody else. And so he, um, unfortunately had to lose everything for him to, to sit there and decide, and this, straight from Eddie's mouth, he finally said, "Look, hey, I'm I'm getting clean because 
I want to, not because my, I have to do it for my wife or I have to do it for my job or I have to do it for my family because they were no longer there. It was no longer there. Him and Vicky were splitting up. You know, he'd already been fired. He kind of lost everything. So, you know, there's two yeah. ways, there's one way, there's two ways to go. You either go down, 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 or you clean yourself up. And, and so finally he was like, that's it. You know, and I, I realized that I can never, ever, ever have a drink again. That's just not in my DNA. It's not in his DNA. So, uh, you know, it, it wasn't always like that. It just, it took a little longer, you know, a little bit. It got worse and worse and worse as, as the time went, went on, you know. But, um, you know, it's, it's, unfortunately it had to happen. And, you know, it was the best thing for him, you know. But, you know, it, he'd already done uh, all the damage. And, you know, for him passing away at 38 with a, you know, uh, you know, a heart disease, he would already, he'd already damaged himself too much for it to come back. But, it, you know, it, who knows? Everybody's different. You know, you got guys, guys that, that don't get clean and sober until they're in their seventies and then they're fine, you know? So everybody's DNA is different, but when it's your time, it's your time. It doesn't matter, you know, what you've done or whatever. It's, you know, it's, it was your time. And that's kind of what it, what happened to him. Yeah. And with, with Eddie, as he went off for this, you know, to uh, change his life really. Uh, and uh, he was away from you and, and everything else. But how did that change you in your life? Because like you said, you'd been kind of this codependent, you'd been around him. Uh, a lot of the path that you traveled had uh, been along with him. Uh, how did you change during that period of time? Because was it, I, I don't know, was it first, maybe the real first time that you were completely on your own, I, I, except for your you know, time in Mexico and Japan. But this is when you were a, a professional and you were among the top superstars in the world. What, how did you grow during that period? You know, you, you definitely change, you know, for sure, because you don't have a crutch yeah. to stand on there, you know. Now, remember when he did go to WWF, yeah. him and the radicals left. I, I, had, I was by myself a little bit over there also in, in WCW. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when he really in WWE, when he left, it was, you know, there was no crutch there, you know. And I had already made uh, great relationships and stuff for sure. Um, and I just, well, you know, you, you start coming into your own when you don't get the opportunity. And um, it's kind of, that's kind of what happened. It just was, you you know, you're, you're given a couple of little opportunities and you're able to start proving yourself. And people say, okay, this kid can, he can, he can work, he can go. And, yeah. you know, and, and so it's, you know, just, just kind of coming in your own. And that's really what happened, you know, with without the crutch there. And I was fine with it. You know, it wasn't like I was like needed my pacifier, you know, to, right. to, right. you yeah, know, yeah. to, 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 to be okay. But, you know, you, you like that there because then I always felt, you know, and I say this to other brother brothers who are in this business, I said, man, be, yeah. be, you know, cherish this because there's nobody that has your back like family. You know, the reason Eddie and I were so good in that ring together was because, I was 100% confident that he had my back no matter what. And he was confident I had his back no matter what. So whether we could win in, in a fight against, you know, anybody that, let's say the Steiners to say, didn't really matter. We just both knew that we would die trying in there for each other, you know? And, and in that sense that, you know, we really would, you know, we would, I know wrestling's entertainment and all this stuff, but it gets real, real fast in there. And there's times that, Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have a partner that you're, you know, confident in, you know, sometimes, you know, you can tell those teams that, that, you know, that, that are really great because, you know, they're, they're willing <laughs> in a sense to, to go in there and lay their lives down. You know, Eddie and I would have done anything for each other in there, for you know? Other, yeah. Man. You couldn't, 
and all he had to do was sometimes in the ring was funny. He'd just look at me. He'd look at me and with a certain look, I said, Oh, it's, <laughs> it's on, let's do this, you know, and vice versa. I'd look at him and I'd, you know, I had a couple words that I would say in, in Spanish and he would just be like, let's do it. And we go in there and have to kind of lay the law down a little bit in there sometimes, you know, and, uh, and thank God people didn't uh, didn't kill us, but uh, you know they would sit there and listen, listen, and say, "All right, cool." You know, and there's a couple of times, you know, there's some well documented times that, like, uh, we got into it one time. We were with uh, the world's greatest tag team with, um, you know, Charlie Haas and Shel Benjamin, and we, you know, in the locker room, we had to we had to tell them what was up, and thank God that they respected and they didn't kill us because they really probably could have, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, we we look back at a lot of that now, you know. But but you know, at the time, it kind of needed to be done, and and you know, it is what it is. But you know, everybody was better because it because of it, you know. And 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 our relationship with them actually got better and stronger, and our matches even got better because of the fact that it was like, hey guys, all right. So when we're in there, we're the boss, and you listen to us. Okay, you got it, and we went from there. <laughs> yeah, you talk about cherishing some moments there. Uh... That, that period of time, and, and it would be short, but when you guys were the Los Guerreros and, and uh, as, you know, together and uh, he was healthy, uh, does that stand out really as uh, among the best time for you? Uh, one of them for sure. It was so super special, man. I mean, there was, yeah. you know. I mean, so many. But... Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's hard to say something wasn't. One of the, I mean, I think the best moment, we, Eddie and I always wanted to be the tag team champions of the world. We, you know, we, that was our dream growing up. We would take, you know, my, my dad and Uncle Mondo, my dad and my Uncle Hector's belts that they had, and we would play in the ring like we were the tag team champions of the world. We never really played that we were the heavyweight champions of the world, like the, all by ourselves. We always did it together. So for us to win the WWE Tag Team Championships at Survivor Series in Madison Square Garden, yeah. It was pretty, pretty yeah. big highlight, you know. Then after that, we both, yeah. we both set other goals for ourselves, and then we became both became you know heavyweight champions. But uh, we had to, you know, we achieved one goal, and we were like, hey, we achieved that. We got to do something else. But, but, you know, really, that was pretty special, man. And, and after they broken us up, and I guess we were really only together for about a year, which is just weird because it seems so much longer. But only about a year that we were together on as Los Guerreros mm-hmm. when Vince McMahon, you know, was going to break us up. Basically his, his, his saying, his meaning was his thoughts were, look, with you guys together, I have one match with you guys against each other or, uh, you know, separated. I have two matches. So <laughs> that's, you know, we're like, all right, great. Let's do it. You know, and I went on to do my thing and he went on to do his thing. And, you know, it, it was what it was. But when we look back at it, I remember at one point, this is like maybe right before Eddie passed. We looked at each other like, man, that was really that was really good, man. We didn't know how good we were, <laughs> you know. And you know, there were so many great tag teams out there at that time. I just, but I just felt at that moment, with you know, with, with wrestling being heels or being baby faces, with promos, with with everything, you know, be, uh, being being tag tag teams. I think I think at that time. I think we were the best in the world at that time. I, in my opinion, you know what I mean? I just, I felt that we could could have gone and could have hung with anybody and that we were, you know, and, and other teams will, will agree with us, you know, at, at that at that moment, you know, the Hardys have told me the same thing. I've talked to them. You you talk to the other guys like, you know, like um, um, the Dudleys, you know, all those guys. They were, 
they're like, guys, you know, you guys were, God, you guys were just so good. It was every, every yeah. time you guys were on TV, it was just magic together. So when any, I look back at it, man, it was just, it was so special, man. It was like, wow, God, we didn't really know <laughs> what we had. Yeah. And you, and you didn't know how long you were going to have together. And it wasn't, wasn't too much longer after that. Uh, in, in 2005, we lost him. Right. And I know there a lot of people know that you were with him. You were at that, uh, hotel in Minneapolis, but I don't know if people know that. I mean, he was literally in your arms and yeah. uh, as difficult as that must be to look back on for you, would you have had it any other way if, if he was going to leave this planet that, that you were there? No, I really wouldn't have, you know, at, at the time you don't think about it, but you know, I look back at it now and say, yeah. it, was a, it, was a, it was a gift, man. It was a you know, a gift from God for, for him, for me to be there at his last moments to be out to, for me to be the one that, that was there. It was a gift, man, because, you know, I could have woken up just like everybody else and said, Hey, Eddie passed away. I said, what, you know, but it wasn't, you know, I was there every last second. So, um, you know, as weird and as morbid and as it sounds, it really was a gift, man. I'm, I'm really glad that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't his wife, you know, because that just was so hard. I don't know if, if anybody can ever get over that, you know, I don't know. No, I don't think no. Vicky's a pretty strong woman. So I, I but it's just one of those that you just wouldn't wish it upon anybody. So I'm glad that it was me. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the ensuing years, those, uh, with WWE, was it the same for you after that? Or did you lose something for the business? Uh, I know you did a lot of stuff with Ray, uh, which was awesome. And, and, uh, you know, you guys did, had some great runs in there, but was it, was it different for you after that? Uh, it, it it was the, the person who walked into Eddie's hotel room and the person who walked out changed. I I, I left that person yeah. inside that hotel room and it was it was that that person never emerged and was kind of no longer with us. I changed, you know for sure. So um, was it different? It was different, but it, it it wasn't, man. It was wrestling, you know. And we just this is what we've done our entire lives, you know. And I'm. I remember Vince, yeah. Vince coming to me that morning and we were talking. He says, what do I do? And we were having a super show. You know, he's like, do I cancel this whole show? Because we, we had everybody there because everybody was flying to Europe for a European tour. He's like, do I cancel this whole show? And I'm like, absolutely not. Do you understand that Eddie, Eddie would not want – the show must go on. That's, these people paid money yeah. to come see us that we need to put on a show. So he was cool enough and, and smart enough to – put on the Eddie Guerrero tribute show, which is still, you know, I look back at it now. It's like, God, there's so many memories and, and feelings and passions. It was such a great, great show from that. And Eddie would have wanted that. Eddie would not have wanted to, to, mm -hmm. to, you know, to be canceled and all the, all the fans go home. Absolutely not. He wanted, he'd want that show to go on. And it did, you know, it had to. Did you appreciate the storylines that followed that or in some ways, do you feel they took advantage of a situation? Uh, you know, there was some good and it was some really bad and tasteless, you know. So it was definitely some some yeah. um, some very lazy writing at times, you know, and I can say that with all the yeah. criticism because I saw it and I was like, ooh, that's not good at all. Um, very cheap, lazy writing. But, and then sometimes it, it wasn't. Sometimes it was really good, you know. But, you know, whatever, that's... It's wrestling. It's not always going to be great, you know. Yeah. It's not always going to be great. It's not always going to be bad. So, 
you know, whether people like it or not, you know, they're, they're trying different things. And Vince is always one of those guys to, uh, to kind of, you know, push the envelope a little bit. And sometimes you, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And straight from his mouth, man, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's been so successful, but a lot of times he hasn't been successful. You know, he goes, you know, I, not everything I do, this is, this is from, right from his mouth. And him and he and I just talking together. Him saying, you know, look, not everything I do is successful. Not, not everything I've done has worked. But when it works, it works really big, you know. So, yeah. you know, there's a there's a lot of forgetfulness. You know, you throw stuff against the wall and just hopefully something sticks. Yeah. Well, uh, we could go through uh, what you know what uh, went on beyond there and your time with the WWE and of course yeah, what else you've done in there. But um, what I really found fascinating is how you've kind of, how you kind of made that transition where it was still uh, very much part of wrestling, but then also in the world of entertainment as far as, far as uh, you know, like the telenovelas, I mean, with Lucha Underground yeah. and, uh, you know, a great, I mean, it is, it really is. It's, it's, it's so much, it's a show that's so much fun to watch. And I don't know what season they're in on that now, but uh, was that, uh, I don't know how that opportunity came up, but you dove right in. I mean, I think you were one of the main creative forces of that from the beginning, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, for sure, I definitely have my spot there for sure. You know, um, um, huh. you know, um, it, it's happened, man. What they called me one time, Krista Joseph, who was a writer for WWE. He's, uh, you know, was the, uh, um, the head creative writer for Lucha Underground. And he called me and said, Hey man, we're getting ready to launch this, um, this new show. You know, I wonder if you'd like to be a part of it. So I talked to him and I was like, well, there's a much more than me just coming in and, um, being a wrestler. So, we kind of talked and we talked with their, their head guys, you know, um, uh, Tony Jensen and uh, uh, Eric Van Wagen, and they agreed to bring me on as a producer. And, you know, really, thank God, because you, you have these guys doing a TV show, but it was it was wrestling, you know. So I was doing, showing them, yeah. I was showing them all the wrestling stuff, and they were showing me, you know, the TV aspect of it, you know. Right. So uh, it just kind of worked out really well. I, I learned a whole ton being there and, and hopefully passed on some stuff to them. But I really don't like. There was there was, when we first started, man. I was involved in everything. I, I mean, I would look at the math and say, "Well, these mats are wrong." What do you mean these mats are wrong? You know, I'd be telling the set design, "This mat, you can't have this mat." Look, they're already going. They're flying past it. You know, it's a four foot mat out there. They're already flying past it. They're like, "Well, we don't have we don't have any more money in the budget." And and I would say, "Look, look." <laughs> uh, before we know it, these guys, you know, you know, break their head open on concrete. You know, there's nobody that's from the Sioux. Now there's Mark Burnett for them, for them Sioux. So, they, 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 you know, they're gonna they're gonna miss. And then all of a sudden, the showrunner Eric Van Wagner would be walking by and say, "What's going on, Charlo?" I said, "Look, man, these these mats are definitely too small. We need them at least double size." He'd say, "Okay, order them right now." Mm-hmm. You know, right away, boom, order them because I don't care how much it costs, order mm-hmm. them. I don't care if it's in the budget, order them because he was, you know, he was he, he listened he listened to me. He was a wrestling fan. He liked wrestling. You know, he was already I think he'd already produced the the uh, the Legends House for WWE, so he was the showrunner on that. So you know, he he mm-hmm. he got it. So you know, they let they'd listen to me. Thank God, I'd be in the costume department and say, "Okay, you can't have spikes on their knees." <laughs> and they're like, "They're like, uh, no, this has to change. So you can't. They can't wrestle in this match. You can't even see." And they're like, "Okay." So they change things around. And I think at 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 one point, man, I was probably on everybody's you know crap list where <laughs> they would go, oh, "No, here comes Sean. What's he going to change now?" Because I was always going, "Hey, you know, this can't change. This got to this. You know, this can't be this. You know." Uh, 
you know, they're the you know the wrestlers are you're getting them here at you know uh, you know two hours before bell time. So I need them here five hours before because we've got vignettes to shoot. Like okay, okay, cool. You know, um, I'm sure our our executive. Um, one of our executive producers, Skip Chasen, who's a director, a great director, and he's really responsible for the way the Lucha Underground um, backstage end up looking, all the backstage film stuff, all the scenes and stuff, the dramatic scenes. He was really involved in that. But, you know, I'd work hand in hand with him and say, look, you know, he's a martial arts guy. And I said, guys, you, you can't have everybody doing martial arts. They don't do martial arts in the ring, so they're not, they can't have them doing martial arts. So, he would listen to me and, 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 and vice versa. And, and at times I'd listen to him and it was just a collaboration band for sure. It was really cool collaboration. I loved working there and I hope that it kind of continues to be honest. We, it's, it's in limbo right now and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it comes out of limbo, you know, uh, cause I thought it was such a great product and we kind of changed wrestling in a sense. We just made something different that no one had really seen before. So I was just, I was really, really happy with it. You know, um, it's a great, great learning experience experience. And then from there, to go right to glow. Um, actually I went to something Jeez, else and then yeah. went to glow and then glow <laughs> talking about learning on the job, man. Um, our, our, um, yeah, that's big time. That, that's pretty big. <laughs> yeah. That's really big, you know? And, yeah. and now I'm behind the camera with the director and, you know, I have me and my, my, I'm the wrestling coordinator. So the stunt coordinator, Shauna, Shauna Duggins is an Emmy award winning stunt yeah. coordinator. She's, she's awesome. Incredible. She's taking me under her wing and is really teaching me the stunt business, you know? So before you know it, I'll be huh. hopefully feeling rules, you know, being stunt, uh, the actual stunt coordinator. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm behind the, you know, I'm getting the scripts before anybody, you know, even before the actresses and I'm changing things and saying, okay, this, you know, the executive producers and the creators, um, um, Carly mentioned and Liz Flayhive, they, they don't have to listen to me, <laughs> you know, but it's their show. But anything I say, they're like, yes, yeah. Kate Shelby, you got it. We'll change that. I said, look, we can't use, we can't do this move because that move was not invented until 19, until 91. And this show, it, you know, you know, is based 96. Okay. Um, we can't say this, this terminology is going to look bad for wrestling fans. Okay. Um, the set design came, I ordered all the rings and, and different, you know, just the different mats and different things. And so, <laughs> you know, really you're, you're hands on on that also. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's a pretty cool thing to, to, to be specialized in no wrestling, you know, because it's not many people do. It's good. It's good, I think, good for me to keep a job. <laughs> yeah. But is there, now that you've had extensive experience on, on both uh, sides of the camera, is there, is there one you prefer more? No? Yeah, I definitely like being on the creative side now. I like being behind the lens now. Yeah. I like creating. I, I, definitely, it's. Uh, I just enjoy. I, I just enjoy. You know, um, that's something that I want to do is eventually direct and direct. You know, whether it be a feature film or TV series or whatever, I definitely want to do that. I just it's something I, I feel that um, that's just the next progression. You know, and so I'm working hand in hand with every director we have and, and learning from them too, just sitting there and just kind of watching and learning and seeing how they do it. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I like, I like that a lot also. Well, Chavo, uh, you come from a long line of entertainers. Uh, you have definitely carved your own path and, uh, really just thank you for entertaining us. And I know you'll keep doing it. Thanks, man. Thanks for watching. And everybody who's listening, you know, uh, Follow me on Instagram at Chavo Real Junior. See all the new stuff that's coming up. I got a much. I just launched my own beer, so uh, my own beer is out there now. Called really? Los, yeah, I got Los Guerreros Mexican Lager, and it's uh, 
it's, it's kicking butt. You know, the LA County Fair is going to carry it this year. So it's, uh, that one's another, another venture, you know, and I, I got other things going on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you sure do, man. Well, I'm glad you took some time out to, to be here on primetime with us. Thanks so yeah, much. Thanks for having me, Sean. Appreciate it. Good luck to you and all the listeners and always, uh, Thanks for supporting the Grill family, and there's more to come. And viva la raza! Man, I, I really, really enjoyed that conversation with Chavo. I never had the opportunity to work with him or meet meet him before, uh, but he just has a great attitude. He lights up uh, when he gets in uh, in front of a microphone or a camera. Uh, just a great entertainer. And even after all these years that he's been in the business, you can tell he's still just as excited as ever for what's ahead. And he definitely has a lot going on. He's one of those people who just adapts. So he's been an actor. Now he's gotten into uh, behind the scenes and producing. So um, a lot ahead for him. I really enjoyed hearing about his relationship with Eddie as well. And it's hard to think that, you know, Eddie was actually his uncle. Uh, he was uh, one of uh, Gory's sons. But, um, you know, they were more like brothers. They were very close in age and they grew up together. And as difficult as it must have been for him, he says he was so glad that he was there when Eddie passed. Um, Chavo, just an incredible person. And I want to thank Chavo Guerrero Jr. for coming on. I can't wait to see uh, what he's got coming up. He's uh, very busy these days. All right, now it's time for our Patreon birthday shout-outs. Da-da-da! I love these. Uh, and we start with Ernest Diaz. Happy birthday, Ernest. Uh, his birthday is September 21st. Happy birthday to you. Also, a happy birthday to Matt Ellis. Uh, he will celebrate his birthday on September 24th. And we have a new edition, another shout-out here for our Patreon members. This uh, going out to A.J. Ganella, whose birthday is on September 21st. Happy birthday, A.J., and welcome to the Patreon family. Love to have you. Just one of the uh, great perks. Um, as I mentioned, you know, part of Patreon and there's many reasons to join us, uh, Primetime with Sean Mooney on Patreon, and we would love to have you come along for the ride. Uh, you get uh, you can get the podcast early, if uh, that's what you'd like to do, and ad-free for as little as $4.99, $4.99. You can start there, but there is so much more, a lot of uh, more perks if you'd like to uh, join uh, one of the higher tiers, become a Mooney or a Legion of Who member. And uh, to find out all about it, just go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney, patreon.com slash primetimemooney. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at primetimemooney for both, Instagram and Twitter, at primetimemooney. Uh, I see that we uh, just surpassed uh, 4,000 uh, followers on uh, our Twitter and also, uh, Instagram has done very, very well. We love to have you follow us there. And you can email me. I've, I've said this before on the, on the podcast that uh, I check out my, uh, the email account pretty much every single day. So if you want to get a message to me or you want to talk about the show or suggest a, a guest we can have on, uh, just go to primetimemooney at gmail.com and email me, primetimemooney at gmail.com. Also, if you like what you heard uh, in this episode and the others, uh, Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform if you haven't done so already. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please subscribe as well. But also give us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, believe me, folks, it helps out tremendously uh, spreading the word. And, of course, you can keep doing that for us as we love to have uh, everyone out there listening and just keep bringing more and more on every week. And you can help us do that. 
Another great episode of Prime Time with Sean Mooney is on the way next Wednesday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Until then, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.